chapter 5, verse 21. Mark 5, 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. A certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and suffered many things of the many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? He looked around about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what she was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Be whole of thy plague. Gracious Father, we thank you for your mercy once again. We know that without you it is impossible. You can do all things. Lord, as we take these few moments, Lord, to look into your word, Father, may thy spirit, would you draw those who do not know you. And may you encourage some in this room who may be struggling, going through difficulty, sorrows, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We desperately need you. We desperately need you. And we realize this morning that you compassionately care for each one of us. We thank you for that truth. And I pray, God, you help us to understand it more fully this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Each of the four Gospels was written in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit from a different perspective. Here we have the book of John Mark. The shortest of the four Gospels portrays Christ as a servant. He writes this Gospel to the Gentiles. In this Gospel, we see Jesus Christ as the servant who cares. Now this view of God's or God is certainly contradictory to the views of those who believed in false gods of the day. The gods of Roman mythology, 
Greek mythology were gods who sat on Mount Olympus or wherever they were from and they would look down on the humans and they would see them in their plight and they would play games with them, they would tease them, but they would not care for them. Jesus, of course, is altogether different. Not just because he's real, but because Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Jesus was called the friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was not distant or unconcerned. In the Gospels, we see his great care for the rich, the poor, the somebodies, the nobodies. We see his compassion on the multitude or on a single individual. In this passage of Scripture, which we read this morning, we see two people who really could not be any different. kind of reminds me of Nicodemus in John 3 and the woman at the well in John chapter 4. We see this one Jairus, a well-to-do, well-known religious leader. And then we see this lady who is not even named. We just know that she's sick. Two different people. Great contrast. But Jesus loves both. Those who have and those who have not. See, it's not about the color of your skin how much money you have, what side of the tracks you come from. Jesus loves all the children of the world. And Jesus Christ came to save everyone who would believe in him. And I'm so glad that he did. I want to see a few things in this passage of scriptures, a few key elements. First of all, in verse 21, we see the crushing crowd. The crushing crowd. Jesus was passed over to again by the ship on the other side. Much people gathered unto him, and it was nigh unto the sea. Now Jesus had come from the eastern side of the sea. He'd come from, as we see in verses 1 through 20, uh, the area of the Gadarenes, that one man who was possessed of all those demons, legion, had possessed this man. And Jesus had met this man and and cast the demons out of this man, and they came into the swine, and the swine committed suicide. <laughs> That's one, my, my one joke for the day. I'm done. Okay. But I hope you got that. And left the man sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. What a difference. And you would think after that that the people would say, Wow, give me some more of that. I got an aunt or uncle that got a few demons in them too. Stay some longer, would you please, Jesus? It's been good. But no, they did not. They said, get out of here. Leave. Go now. They could not stand Jesus. So he goes to the other side. He goes from the east of the Sea of Galilee. He goes now to the north side of the Sea of Galilee to a place called Capernaum, whole new people. And he can't even get out of the boat, and they're, they're on him already. They're wanting to talk to him. They're wanting to see him. They're wanting to know more about what's going on. This is a whole different place, whole different town. This is the hometown of Peter and James and John and Andrew and Matthew. The, the crowd flocks to him. He can barely get out of the boat, and they're pressing up against him. There's always two crowds. There's those who believe and are for him and those who do not believe and who are against him. 
yesterday as we were out on door to door, had a great day, over 21 different teams, over 500 tracks passed out, 21 times the gospel of Jesus Christ was given, and two people, two people made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, most of the folks we met yesterday were against us. I mean, I went up to some folks and, hey, I'm gospel Baptist. Nope. <laughs> I didn't hardly get gospel Baptist out of my mouth. They said, nope. And then a few more, uh, you know, let me get a little further. And then after a while, they let me talk to them. But really, it, with Jesus Christ, it's either duck or pucker. Either you're all for him or you're really not really for him at all. He is the person in all of history that we either go towards or we run away from. Are you running towards him? Are you running away from him? You see, when you choose to follow Jesus, things are going to be different in your life. You may have people in your life who do not like the fact that you're following Jesus or following him so closely. I've had folks in my own family say, you're fanatical. You're different. And certainly, I am different because Jesus came by my life. And every person who Jesus Christ knows and every person that now is in Christ, they are different. They're a new creature in Christ. Their life should be different. Two responses came. Both crowds there. Jesus cared for both crowds. The first rejected him. The second accepted him. You and I will be accepted or rejected based solely on Jesus Christ. It's not really about you. It's really about who you believe in. I think of Chip and Joanne Gaines from that show, Fixer Upper, who go to a church where the preacher, preacher preaches against homosexuality. They're going under a little persecution now because they're standing up for truth. And when you stand up for truth, where it be at home, where it's not so easy to stand up for truth because your wife actually knows you, and your kids actually know you, or it may be at your workplace or at church, but wherever you go and you stand up for truth, you're going to have resistance. Take heart, dear friend. It is good to have resistance. There should be resistance because we live in a dark world that is going to get darker. I met a guy just the other day at Old 41 or Trump Cafe, and I hope all you men come down tomorrow. So we had 27 men at our morning breakfast, the most we ever had. I'd love to break 30 tomorrow. But a man, I was coming out and I had my red hat, Make America Great Again hat. And a guy came up to me and he said, I'm so glad you wore that hat. And I was like, why? He said, man, where I'm from, they, they kicked me out of the restaurant. My friends befriended, befriended me or left, let me go. They, they, they quit me and my family forsook me. And I was like, you're welcome here. I'm for you. Who greater than Trump will ever be? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Folks will be for you or people will be against you based on what you believe. And Jesus said that in John 15, 20. Remember the word that I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If, you have, if they have persecuted me, they also persecuted you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And we realize that the day, the great day of division is coming. Where Christ and all that know him will be in heaven forever. And those who do not, do not know Christ 
have rejected him, have chosen not to follow him, will not be in heaven, but will be in a place that's created for the devil and his angels called hell. In this room right now, if Jesus came back and he could come back at this very moment, I pray and I believe many of you would be in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye with Jesus Christ in the clouds with him forever and ever. Glory to God. But I believe also there'd be many in this room, more than maybe we even think, that would not be with Jesus. You'd be sitting here, looking around, wondering what just happened. Because you have not yet believed. You have not yet trusted Christ. And today is another opportunity for you to see your great need of Jesus Christ and to accept Him as your Savior before it is too late. The great dividing is coming, my dear friend. Which side, which crowd have you chosen? I am with Christ. I've cast my lot with Him. My fortune, whatever that may be. My life, my family. Everything I have is with him. How about you? Does everybody around you in your, in your neighborhood, in your life, on your social media, know that you are a Christian? Does anybody have to wonder, is that guy, is that guy saved? Is that guy, is that guy, I see them talking about Jesus, but are they really Christians? Does anybody have to wonder about you whatsoever? Or is it pretty clear where you stand? I hope today you're in the right crowd because there's a day coming for the great division. And all that will be in Christ will be with him. And all that who are not in Christ will not. We see the crowds, but secondly, in verse 22 and verse 23, we see this caring father. Now, who is this person? Who is this person? In the midst of this mob scene, one man breaks through to speak to Jesus. Well, his name is Jarius. Actually, his name means Jesus enlightens. He's a ruler of a local synagogue. A synagogue is a place of worship. And to establish a synagogue, there needed to be at least 10 males in their family. So they didn't have to go all the way to Jerusalem. They could have this place of worship in their local town of Capernaum here. He's a layman, a businessman, not a priest, but a ruler, a steward, whose job it was to maintain and to rule the local synagogue. So he's a man of, of responsibility. He's a man of power. He's a, a well-to-do man who has some privilege and position. But what do he do? What well, he makes himself through this throng of people, and he sees Jesus. And immediately he goes to Jesus' feet. Why? Because he has a need. His daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, is dying at the point of death. And no longer does this man, Jairus, carry, carry about, care about his reputation. It's not about the money, it's not about the position, it's not about the power, it's not about what he does, not about what he has, not about what he's been, not what he's going to be in the future. All that matters to this man is that his daughter is dying and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus can save her. So he goes to her. He goes to his feet and he begs Jesus. He begs Jesus to save his daughter. What does Jesus do? He doesn't pray to his father. He doesn't deliberate with his disciples. The compassionate Christ immediately, he doesn't even say, 
be healed like he had in other passages of Scripture. He said to one, be healed, and that person was healed. No, he goes with Jairus because he sees a need. How much do I need to be like Jairus? It doesn't really matter what else is going on. There's a great need. Someone needs to be saved. How often do I go and I pray for folks that really need to be saved? But I humble myself. I get to the feet of Jesus and I beg God for the life of someone else. How often do we do that? Do you, like I, sometimes allow our pride to keep us from doing that? We get caught up in the monotony of just going to church Sunday after church, Sunday after church, and Sunday church. And we don't really have compassion because we see the same people all the time. We lose our love, our desire, our hunger, our thirst for souls because we've seen it, we've done it, we've been through it, we've been around it. It's easy to do. It's easy to maintain. But when there's a great need, when it is your daughter and she is dying, whatever reason, we humble ourselves. We go. Why does it take a tragedy to get us finally to go to Jesus? Why does it take so much pain and hurt and sorrow and difficulty for us to finally humble ourselves and go to Him the way we know we should? But Jesus does. He's the compassionate Savior. His actions, He went with them, the Bible says in verse 24. Again, he could have just spoken the word, but he didn't. In the midst of this throng where people are all around him, following him, speaking to him, asking him, trying to get his attention, he may be delayed, but he will do what he says he will do. And he will heal Jairus' daughter. But on the way to heal her, we meet someone else. We see the crowd, we see this, we see this caring father, the compassionate Christ, who's going on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. But on the way, in verse 25, we meet a common woman. Again, we don't even know her name. What do we know about her? Well, we know that she's had a hemorrhage, an issue of blood for 12 years. You say, what's so significant about that? Well, that's significant. But according to Leviticus 15, 25 through 27, a woman in her condition would be ceremonially unclean. Whatever she touched, wherever she slept, wherever she sat would be considered unclean. Whoever she touched would be considered unclean. Imagine this, ladies. You could not be here today. You could not, unless you wanted that person to be ceremonially unclean, touch your husband, your daughter your mother. She would be like an outcast, like a leper. When she went down the road, people would not go to her. They would go around her. It's kind of like this time of year. When you're, when you're sick and you know somebody's coughing and sneezing and at chewing and all, you're not like, hey, you're not like, whoa, 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 I don't want to get sick. Imagine this, not just for a few days, not just take some vitamin C and go home and maybe you'll feel better. Twelve years 
Let this sink down into your ears. Twelve years you're sick. Twelve years of not going where you want to go. Twelve years of not being who you want to be with. Twelve years. Twelve years. And not only that is she sick, she's gone to the doctor. And thank God for doctors. But doctors can only do so much. She's gone to the point where she's, she's given all that she's has, had. She's given up everything. She's spent everything. She's to her wit's end. She's given it all up. She has nowhere else to go. She's tried the doctors. And you know when you're sick, people always come around you and say, try this, try this, try this, try this. I'm sure she heard it every, every try this. She's done all the try this. All the old wives' uh, healing potions and everything you could try to figure out. She's tried it all. Nothing's worked. Twelve years she's had this issue of blood. She's been separated from her loved ones, from her friends. She's an outcast. And now, having tried everything, the Bible says, she comes to Jesus. A certain woman had an issue of blood twelve years. She heard about Jesus. And she says in verse 27, she heard about Jesus. And she came in the press. She's, she's winding her way through this throng of people trying to finally get to Jesus. She, she knows he's there. And she says, she says, man, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch him, the, this is clothes. If I may touch his clothes, verse 28, I shall be whole. Not, not hug him, not grab him, not... Hold on to him, but if I just if I just touch like the, the, the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. What faith she had, what belief she had. But again, she's having to go down and get on her knees. She's going to the feet of Jesus. She touches the hem of his clothes. And immediately, verse 30. Not slowly, not a slow cure, not, well, it's going to happen in five weeks from now. I promise you, go home. Call me later. Nope. Immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, he turned about in the press saying, who touched me? Jesus knew at the very moment that she touched him, something had happened. Things were different. Disciples said, <laughs> I love what they said, and we know from the book of Luke, this is actually Peter who says this, and this is just like Peter, right? He says, hey, you know, all these people are around you? And, 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 and you're asking who touched me? <laughs> what are you saying? Seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? Who isn't touching you, Jesus? Everybody's around you. They're thronging you. But this one, this certain lady, who we don't even know who she is, by faith, she comes, she touches his hem of the garment, and she immediately is healed. Wow. And the Bible says she's there, and she's trembling, and she's fearing because this unholy person has touched this holy one, Jesus Christ. She is different now. And she's at his feet in the midst of this throng of people, afraid, fearing, trembling, and Jesus looks down. And the whole time, he's not just saying, he touched me because of the tense of the verb. It's like he's looking around saying, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? And he looks down and sees this one fearing and trembling. 
and he says to her in verse 34, daughter. And this is significant because it's the only time in the New Testament that Jesus uses this word, daughter. He sees her there. He says, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy infirmity. Immediately, she is healed. Wow. Immediately. She's healed. Twelve years. Twelve years of suffering and sorrow and pain and problem and separation. And now she's whole. She's whole. She's whole. You know what? That's the same way in the Christian life. How many years have people said no to Jesus, no to Jesus. They've suffered in sin. Lived in the darkness. Struggled with all the maladies and problems, the drugs, the drinking, the wickedness, the vice. The chains of sin is all around them. And they've tried everything. They've tried the help groups, the addiction groups. They've tried friends. They've tried family. They've tried everything. Everywhere, everyone, someone has advice for them. Try this, try that, try this, try that. Try being better. Try church. I tried that too. I tried church. But church by itself can't save you. I tried being a good Baptist. But being a good Baptist will send you straight to hell. I tried being a good Baptist in Greenville, South Carolina, where there's a whole lot of Baptist churches. I tried being a good Baptist. I tried getting baptized. Thought that would work. A little water washed away my sin. That didn't help me either. I tried being a good Baptist and getting baptized. I tried, to, I tried to follow the golden rule. I tried to honor my father and mother. That didn't last long. I tried all of the tries. So one day, thank God, I was invited to church, as I said, again. And I heard about Jesus. Again. And on that day, April the 15th, 1989, I met Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And my life immediately, immediately my life was different. Perfect? No, but different. Different. And dear friend, I hope and pray the day that you know Jesus Christ because with Him, your life will be different. You can be made whole again. Healed of thy plague. And what greater plague is there in this world than sin? It is the greatest plague. It is the greatest destroyer. And we all struggle against sin. What do I recognize in this passage? Something very profound. For 12 years, Jairus is enjoying his wonderful daughter growing up, seeing her grow to a young lady, 12 years old. And then she's sick and she's dying. The same 12 years, the same 12 years, this lady, this uncertain lady, we don't know anything about, is suffering. What does that tell me today? In this room right now, some of your life is good. Things are well. You are healthy, thank God. You have money in the bank, thank God. Family is well. Friends are well. All is well with you. Thank God. Praise God. But in this same room, there are some of you, maybe many of you, in the same time frame that you, everything is well for some, in the same room, there are many in this room that are suffering. You're going through something that maybe nobody else knows. Emotionally, physical pain, difficult struggles, heartache, hurt, 
sorrow beyond what we can even imagine. You're going through that and you suffer and you feel like you're suffering alone. But let me say, Jesus cares for you. And Jesus loves you. And you can go to Him. But you have to go to Him just like they did. You have to get humble. If Jarius and this certain lady did not go at his feet, they would not have gotten the answer they wanted. They had to get down on their feet, at the feet of Jesus, and ask. When you humble yourself, when you say, Jesus, I desperately need you, God sees that. God sees that. And he gives grace to the humble. You come to him and demand of him or try to force him, he will resist you. But he says, I resist the proud, but I will give grace to the humble. If you come to him today and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I am wicked. I am vile. I am terrible. All the things that everybody else has been telling me about me is true. I just hadn't wanted to admit it. Will you save me? He will save you immediately. If you hear a Christian and you're struggling, difficulty, sorrow, pain, whatever it may be, desperate. You've tried everything. You've tried physicians. You've tried it all. Have you gone to Jesus and said, Lord, I really need you? This week, not knowing I was going to preach this because I didn't know Pastor was going to be sick, I met two people who are going through sorrows. One person physically, physically just going through difficulty. And I can see the pain in their life having to go through losing work and trying to make it on workman's comp. The struggles that they were going through, the change of life, the things that they had to deal with because of the injury they're going through. And I felt so inadequate as a person trying to help them, but I could say to them, I can't help you, but I know Jesus can. Then I met a lady who's going through the, the horror And what it's like working with lawyers about your kids. And the pain that I saw in that woman's eyes. When she's going through this, the custody battles, the struggle. And I said to her, I don't understand this. And I'm sorry that you're going through this. But Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And he cares about you. Go to him. I can't help you much. I can give you some advice. I can point you the right way. But Jesus loves you. Dear friend, Jesus loves you this morning. He really, really cares. I wonder this morning, when's the last time you've gone to him and asked him for your help? When's the last time you've tried to be like Jesus and say, you know what, I maybe can't help you, I can't do everything, I can't fix you, but I know someone that can. You can point them to Christ. You can invite them to revival. You can share with them some scriptures. You can share with them what God has done in your life and how God has used you. God can now use them and help them. Oh, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we desperately need Him. He compassionately cares for every one of us. Oh, what a Savior.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins so that each one of us this morning could have everlasting life. Thank you that you care. In a world, in a, in a place where sometimes seems so dark and so, so hard, so real, it seems like no one cares. Even those who seem to say they care seem like sometimes they don't care. Thank you that you always do, that you love us, that you're closer than a brother, that you never, you never flee from us, you'll never forsake us. Oh God, help us to, to cling to you, to come to you, to humble ourselves, to go, as it were, to your very feet and cling to the very hem of your garden, garment and beg you for help again and again. Maybe not even for us, but maybe for someone, maybe for that neighbor that we know is not saved, maybe for that person across the street who needs to be here next Sunday morning to hear Dr. Comfort preach God's word and offer salvation once again to all who will believe through Jesus Christ. Dear friend, whatever the need I pray today, you'll say yes. Maybe it's a need for yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, you're struggling. Maybe it's time just to come down to this old altar and just say, Lord, help me today. Maybe you need to come and you're praying for someone, a relative, a friend, that needs to be invited to this revival again. Whatever the need, dear person, dear friend, please, I beg you, make a decision. Don't stay there standing if God is calling you to come. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you do not understand what it means to be in the garden and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, please, please recognize that you're a sinner. And your only hope is Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Please, I beg you, be saved today. There'll be men and women down front. If you'd like to talk to them, they will take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. Oh, Father, Father, please draw these ones to yourself today. Do what I cannot do. Speak to the soul, the heart of these people, your people, and to the heart of those who need to be yours. I pray in Jesus' name. Let us stand. We're going to sing. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239 947 one, two, eight, five. God bless.